Back Talk here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. We have got a great show lined up for you today. We have got a lot of sound bites to get through. We've got Ryan Timms, Ben Shelton, Landon Crawley, Donnie Schatz, Carson Macedo, David Gravel, Logan Schuhart, Sheldon Hoddenshield, and Geo Selzy as well. And the, that was during the press conference they had yesterday, right, Kirk? They had media day for the uh, World of Outlaws this week down at the uh, right. media room at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And all the drivers from both the late models and sprint car series showed up wearing their driver suits. Right. As they sat there and answered questions. So we got uh, some pretty good sound bites from some of these drivers. And who, do you like, th- who do you think the best sound bite is from? I think Donnie Schatz. Right. Here's a guy that's won 10 World of Outlaw championships, and he's uh, he's trying to beat uh, Don, uh, Steve Kinzer for the all-time, but that that's not going to happen. Right. Because Steve Kinzer has 20, 20 World of Outlaw championships. Donnie's only has, he's only got 10, right? Yeah, but he uh, he talks like a guy that uh, he's ready to go to battle and win another championship this year. So some pretty interesting sound from him, as well as Carson Macedo and some others. So we'll play that during the course of the show. Do you do you want to play that Donnie shots right now? Well, we can play one of the bites right now right. if you'd like. Uh, I know that uh, we've got a lot to get through here today. Let's let's uh, let's hear. His mindset right now as he heads in to a brand new season, which begins next Wednesday down at Belusia Speedway Park for the uh, Dirt Track Nationals. And uh, here's what Donnie has to say about being a competitor. And he doesn't talk like a guy that's ready to quit anytime soon. 28 years, you know, I sat as a kid in the in the grandstands watching sprint cars, and I became a sprint car fan. Because of my father and, and uh, family business, I was able to race a sprint car and get to the World of Outlaw level. And I've worked hard at trying to get to the top tiers, and I've been there. But I feel like I've also been at the bottom of them, too. And the work ethic on both sides is the same. You, you work just as hard to be not where you want to be as where you want to be. Um, I'm a competitive person, but I think goes back to I've been around a long time and I've worked hard to get here. I've I've worked hard to build the Donnie Shots brand that, that it is today amongst the fans and the other racers and I think I've earned a level of respect with the other racers and the fans that uh, uh from the loyalty that I have and, and that's what keeps me going. Um you know I the competition is what what ultimately you can lay lay the answer to. When you want to be with a race of the outlaws or you want to race a national series you better be competitive. If not, you're going to learn to be competitive, but you're a competitive person it, just in general. And so you set out to win a World of Outlaw race, you do. You set out to win a championship, you do. But that doesn't mean that you're complete. You're not whole. You're not done. It's the competition. That's what keeps you here every day. That's what brings you back every day. That's why when we leave the racetrack every night, whether it's a win or it's a 20th and a DNF, you're still motivated to come in the next day because you're going to compete again, and that's what it is. You, the, the competition is unpredictable. It, so that's why I'm here, um, because I don't have anything to prove. It's because I want to prove I'm competitive. It, it's what drives me. It's who I am. And and that's not going to change whether 
I've won one race or 500 races. It, it, it doesn't define who you are. The competition really does. Right. Well, he proved last year he could still win races at Lakeside Speedway. He, last he, October, he beat David Gravel, outran him at the end to win that feature. And, you know, he won the King's Royal last year, so he can still prove he can win races. He, he only won four races last year, yeah. Kirk. The consistency has been right. a big problem. And a lot of it has to do with what? the Ford engine program. Right. Uh, some of that program is pretty solid. But if, if you were to talk to Donnie Schatz privately, I would think that Donnie Schatz would tell you that he would love to have the Chevrolet motors back in his car. Well, I don't know about that because some of the comments that he made yesterday, they did a lot of testing at Charlotte after the World Finals. And he feels like they've found a lot of the problems that they've been having. And he, after that test session at Charlotte, he feels a lot better about heading into the new season and about pinpointing some of the problems that they were having with that engine program. Do you have some sound from that interview? I I don't have that part. Right. But he did talk about that that test session was very important to his mindset heading into the new season. Do you think Donnie Schatz can win another championship? I do. I do, too. I think so. I think this is the year that he can do it because, you know, Brad Sweet is gone, and um, there's several other drivers that are going to take off and go run with the High Limit Series. And, and oh, by the way, just so you know, each and every week on Monday, we are going to have Connor Wade who is the pit reporter for the World of Outlaws, and then we're going to have Chase Rodman, who is the voice of the High Limit Series. They're going to be on with us every week, starting on – when is that going to start, Kirk? Well, next weekend. Next weekend. It will be the World of Outlaws, and then the week after that, the High Limit Series opens at East Bay. Right, yeah. uh, It's kicking off pretty soon. But I I think if you have to pick favorites to win the World of Outlaws title now that Brad Sweet is gone – I think you have to look at David Gravel and Carson Macedos. The two guys would have to be the favorites. And David Gravel talked about, uh, you know, a lot of what he had last year. He had a ton of second-place finishes. But there were a few races that he's not happy about that he points finger at himself that he caused you know who them I- not to win was driver error. So he, he's... Very reflective in that regard. Kirk, you know who I'm pulling for, don't you? Yeah. I'm pulling for Carson Macedo just because they live down by the lake. They're, they're, they're Missouri people, and I'm, I'm kind of pulling for them a little bit, right? Uh, and they were kind of late making a commitment to the world of outlaws this year because they were – they lost a couple of crew guys off that team. Clyde Kinnip was one of them. Right. And so they did find a couple of guys. But I asked uh, Carson Macedo yesterday about the challenges of finding crew members to travel the full World of Outlaws series. That's a real challenge, but they found a couple of guys this year. But Carson talked about the big challenge uh, for these teams to find crew members. Yeah, I mean, I'm devastated with Brad moving on, to be honest with you. I, I think that it's a terrible thing. Uh the crew guy situation on the World of Outlaw Tour has seemed like it's really gotten tough here lately. I, I don't really know why that is, but um, 
maybe just because of the grind of the outlaw tour. And I think, um, I think, you know, it's just a tough life. You, you, it's, it's hard, you know, so many people this off season, you couldn't believe that we couldn't find help, that we were struggling to find help. And it's like, well, it takes a lot for somebody to just uproot their entire life. You know, for our team, they have to move to, you know, Eldon, Missouri, which is, um, you know, kind of a long way from a lot of most of the key areas in sprint car racing, whether it be Pennsylvania, Iowa, or, I mean, I, I say California, although there's a lot of, you know, competition out there that's not really a key area to be living in, probably Indiana, one of those central locations. So, um, you know, not only do you kind of have to uproot your life and go live at the team house, but, um, if you have kids or any kind of family, that, that becomes really tough. And then the commitment to just being away from your family at a lot of those, um, key points in your life, you know, we, we race on the weekends. So, um, your weekends are full. You're not going to weddings. You're not going to, um, you know, certain events that kind of take place in your life that is really important to some people. So I think, you know, on top of that, the local racing has gotten to a different level uh, than it has been in the past. You could stay in Pennsylvania and run so many races. So I feel like a lot of crew guys have kind of migrated maybe to that to that dynamic a little bit. Um, you know, like, for example, I know, uh, you know, buddy of mine, Heath Moyle, left the road not long ago and has been working for Brent Marks the last few years and gets to stay in his own bed most nights. So I think maybe some of that has to do with it, um, but... It's definitely a tough, tough thing to find, you know, crew guys and especially ones that have experience right now. So, um, we, we ended up with a couple of really good guys and we're kind of looking forward to training them up and, you know, showing them how JJR does things and kind of molding them. Uh, you know, I know Philip will kind of be molding them then into the crew guys and the expectations that he has on any given night. I think, you know, uh, Phil Dietz is obviously got a handle on everything that goes on at Jason Johnson Racing by right now, but there could be some growing pains training up these new crew guys, don't you think? Well, as you know, Kirk, I traveled 13 years up and down the road with the ASCS National Sprint Car Tour, and to be honest with you, we had, at times, we had problems keeping people out on the road as well, because it's such a grind, you know, and and doing it for 13 years i just got burnt out on it to be honest with you and i i decided to come back here and just do radio that's what i decided to do so it's a different light you're like a gypsy out there it it, it it's you know what it's more like kirk it's more like being a carny that's what it is it's 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 kind of like living the carny life if you want to know the truth running from town to town you, you, you got to tear down at night. You know, when we did these broadcasts, we had to tear down at night and then maybe drive 200 miles to get to the next town. And uh, it's it's kind of a gypsy life. No and doubt about the it. world of outlaws even more so because uh, you're starting in February and you're ending in early November. Well, they've got... And no- you really don't have any time off. They have 90 dates compared to the yeah. ASCS, which they only had 50 dates, right? So some guys can be out on the road for two, three, four years, but after that, you know, it starts to wear on people. And as Carson pointed out, uh, there's a lot more options for a lot of these guys 
to work on race cars now. On the local level. Yeah. yeah. And now you've got two traveling series, the High Limit Series and the World of Outlaws. There's more teams out there you, wanting to travel coast to coast. You know what What really has a positive effect on these local teams? When a guy goes out on the road and he learns a lot about what's going out on the road as he travels around the country, when they come back to a local team, they are they are like a star with that team. They 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 just learn so much when they're out on the road, and and it's just uh, it's just a uh, um, I think it's just a, uh, a a learning experience that they can bring back to a local team. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's. Uh... You do a lot of sightseeing in the first few years you're out there. You see a lot of things you haven't seen before. A but lot that, of sightseeing. But after you've seen everything, if you travel the same road year after year, you know, you don't have anything more to see. So it's not as exciting and fascinating about year five as it was in year one or two. Hey, but to be honest with you, Kirk, we always found something to do yeah. out on the road. It didn't matter what it was. We always found something to do out on the road. What? Because we'd work on the weekends, and then we'd be off all week. And then we'd, we'd find things to do, man. It was, just a, it was just a great time out there on the road with the ASCS National Tour. Well, as everybody knows, Brad Sweet won five straight World of Outlaws championship, and he and Kyle Larson uh, started this high-limit series. And Brad Sweet has taken the nap of 49 Casey Kane team off to run the full high limit series and Carson Macedo and David Gravel are two of the guys that are going to be favorites to win the championships this year but Carson Macedo's not happy that Brad Sweet is leaving to go high limit racing a very interesting commentary from Carson Macedo about Brad Sweet taking off and going to the other series yeah, I mean, I'm devastated with Brad moving on. To be honest with you, I, I think that it's a terrible thing. Um, you know, I, I, I don't really care that we we're able to, you know, have the opportunity to win more races. I, I don't. I mean, that's great, I guess, you know, financially or or whatever. But, um, you know, the world of outlaws is about beating the best, and so, you know, right now I view Brad as the best. I mean, he's won the last three championships in a row, and or five championships in a row. Um, and been, you know, an incredible, when, when, when all the, you know, changes were going on, you know, I was really kind of probably one of the few that was, you know, really bummed out about it. I, I, I felt like there is, you know, it's tough because it's, it's, it's bittersweet, but, you know, Brad winning out a championship, you know, there was times when I was having conversations with Brad where I said, you know, how would you liked it if, you know, you were, you know, moments away, from you know being as close as you ever have been anyway to you know having a shot at winning the championship and then Donnie just left like that wouldn't be real you know you wouldn't really feel like that would be a real good thing so um you know there there is more of an opportunity there to win more races i do feel like there's uh an opportunity for a lot of people to uh you know capitalize on that change but um, you know, I, as a competitor, the competitor in me just doesn't think that it's, you know, doesn't really like it. And I think ultimately too, like the races probably aren't going to be as different as what a lot of people think. Um, like for instance, we're going to go down to Volusia here in a week and I think it'll probably be the toughest, you know, field of cars that we've ever seen at Dirt Track Nationals, um, with so many guys kind of joining one series or the other. So, um, 
I think that uh, you know, just the competitor in me enjoys you know, wanting to beat the best every night, and that's what the world of outlaws has been founded and built on uh, for for several years. Since 1978, when they ran their first race at Devil's Bowl Speedway in 1978, that the world of outlaws has has been the king of sprint car racing. Would you agree with that, Kurt? Well, yeah, and I. I would say they still are until they're not. Right. Uh, but part of the commentary that Carson had about Brad Sweet is in the aftermath of that terrible accident at Knoxville right, yeah. last June. Brad Sweet was one of the drivers that reached into that burning race car to help Carson out of that race car. Yep, no and doubt I don't think it. Carson Macedo will ever forget that. No doubt about so it. So he's... He's got a lot of affection for Brad Sweet, and you can kind of understand he's going to miss having him out there. Who do you think is the favorite to win the championship this year? Is it David Gravel, Carson Macedo, Gio Selzy, Logan Schuhart, or Donnie Schatz? I think it's between David Gravel and Carson Macedo. Uh, with Donnie Schatz right there, you can't count Donnie Schatz out. David Gravel finished... 60 points out of the lead last year, and Carson Macedo was 168 points out of the lead. So those two have got to be the odds-on favorites, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. And Gio Selsey ran enough good races last year. That you he, can he could be a player in, the in there, yeah. Uh, Logan Schuart is the other driver from Shark Racing that he didn't have a lot of consistency in the back half of the year, uh, but he's certainly a threat to win any race out there on the World of Outlaws Tour is just getting that consistency together uh, to go the whole season. You know, the big theme that they talked about yesterday, right. all these drivers talked about, they said you can't have bad finishes. you got to average about a top five right. finish. That's the key to Brad Sweet winning five in a row. He didn't have very many bad races, one or two the whole year. He, he, his typical, and that's how he won the championship. His typical average was around fifth place. Yeah. Right. But he finished all those races. Yeah, no doubt about it. There's only like a couple of, and, and that, that was the theme that all these drivers talked about. You can't, you have to finish every race. I, I'm going to be pulling for Donnie Schatz, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I hope Donnie Schatz can get number 11. But he's not going to get. He's not going to get to Steve Kinzer. There's no way, no chance that he's going to get to twenty. No, no way. <laughs> that, right. That's uh, that will stand for the for all time. Do Steve you, Kinzer's twenty championship. Do, do you feel that Donnie Shot is more motivated right now than Absolutely. ever? No question. Yeah, no doubt. He's, uh, he's as motivated as he's ever been, and he feels good after that test that we talked about right, yeah. at Charlotte going into the season, that he can be more consistent with their engine program. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, more of Track Talk. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We've got tons of sound. Ryan Timms is going to be coming up next right here on Track Talk. Stay tuned for more right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back. It's Track Talk here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Covell back there at Sports Radio 810 running the show for us. Along with Beckett as well. 
uh, Beckett as well, and uh, Todd Surprise running the show for us here at RBN, the Race of Boys Broadcasting Network. And we had a chance to talk to Ryan Timms on uh, Monday on Mostly Motorsports, didn't we, Kurt? Ryan Timms is one of the young, great talents that we've seen in dirt track racing in quite some time and is really making a name for himself. Last weekend, he picked up the finale of the 360 shootout down at Volusia Speedway Park. And Monday, mostly motorsports, we visited with Ryan Timms about his big win last Saturday night. I, I was shocked when you came from fifth, and, and you you just flew by everybody up there, and, and you took the lead, and I, I just felt like at, at that point that you were the dominant car of the night. How did you feel yeah. about that? Yeah, I agree. Um, finding the bottom definitely helped, but even before I moved down to the bottom, I was reeling in Hapertief and Peg on the top. Um, but yeah, I mean, we had a really fast car. Um, the big deal with running at Volusia is just being smooth and straight and not bogging the car down as much with it being a 360. Right. Uh, which took me a couple of nights to figure out, but once I got it figured out and we got the car better, we were, I felt like unbeatable. What were you thinking when that yellow flag came? You're coming down for the checkered flag, and you see that yellow. Yeah, when I was going to lap that guy, I seen him slowing up a lot, and uh, I assumed his, that something broke or he was just slowing down for whatever reason. Uh, but I was hoping he was going to pull in, and then I seen the yellow, and uh, I was expecting it. But, yeah, I was pretty frustrated. Um, I was, I mean, literally right at the flag stand when they threw the yellow so right uh it's unfortunate but i understand because i was the only guy that got past them and the rest of the field still had to pass the stopped car so i think it was the right call did did you feel like that uh at one point because kind of justin peck on on those restarts you kind of gapped yourself a little bit between him and yourself Right. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, there uh, on the when we first went green, um, I pulled them. I slowed down. My main deal was, I knew I was faster on the bottom, but if I missed the bottom, then he would be able to, you know, reel me in. And uh, when we first went into one and two, I made sure to slow down a little more than normal uh, to hit the bottom, and then. there on the white flag lap, I missed it a little bit, and he was able to reel me in just a tad, but I was running then wide open and getting into three and four, sliding myself. Right. Just, I knew it was fast enough where, and fast enough, and I was taking up the whole track in three and four to where he most likely wasn't going to be able to get under me. Right. Uh, so it ended up working out. So. Did, did the track take any rubber at all? No, no. Track was really good. Uh, the first two nights, it, it was definitely um, bottom lane dominant. Um, they they would leave the bottom tilled up uh, and wet throughout the whole night and just let 
like they let us and the modifiers just gradually work down and uh there for the first two nights you know it kind of made it not as great racing uh but there on the last night it was it was definitely still around the bottom but you could run the top and make something happen or make something work um but i i knew after i watched hater keep roll underneath me on the bottom uh the first night i believe and uh you know i knew that the bottom was going to come in again saturday night and uh, i got down there and Sure enough, it was quicker to be down there. Hey, were you surprised by Austin McCarl spinning out on that second lap? Were you a little taken back by that a little bit? Yeah, I was uh, very surprised. I knew he was going to be uh, a hard a hard guy to beat. So uh, when I saw him spin, I was surprised, but I was also, you know, it kind of made, kind of was a little bit of a relief knowing that, um, it was just another heavy hitter that I didn't have to worry about, uh, at least for the time being. And, uh, yeah, it worked out. He ended up, he started at the back of the pack, and he ended up running fourth. Mm-hmm. Were you kind of set back by that, that he ended up running fourth? Yeah, no, I was, uh, I mean, I expected Austin to come back up through there, but to come from last, which I don't know what that is, 20-something. Right. To fourth at Belusha in the 360 specifically, it's a lot harder. It gets really strung out and um, just hard to pass when you get back there in that dirty air. Uh, but Austin, he's good on the, he's real good on the half mile stuff, um, especially places like Knoxville. So he knows how all the air works and uh, how to get by them guys. But yeah, he's a really good driver and uh, it didn't really surprise me to see him come back up through there. Um, but I did expect him on the last restart maybe to show something, but uh, he never did. Uh, Volusia's got a wall down on the inside. How dicey is that, knowing you have to run the bottom, you got that wall on the inside? Hey, listen, you came close to that wall a lot, man. You, mm-hmm. you were really close to that wall. Tell, tell us how close you were to it. Yeah, no, I mean, I got about as close as you could the wall without hitting it a couple times but um there wasn't as much grip down there as there was the first two nights so if you wanted it to work you had to be right up against it um which for me i don't don't know for whatever reason it was it just wasn't a problem i could put the left front right up against it and uh just leave just enough room to get around there quick and uh but yeah, that wall, it's, it's there, and uh, I, I got into it a couple times. There was a couple times I had to kind of re-correct myself and steer away from it because if I would have stayed where I was at, I would have hit it. Yeah, no. but, uh, I was yeah, I was getting close to it. Hey, so i I got to ask you, you know, I, I'm a really good friends with Jimmy Jones, mm-hmm. and, and I've, I've been really good friends with him for a long, long time. What what did Jimmy say to you after that race? He just said I drove a perfect race and uh we were just perfect in the main and uh I agree but it's makes it makes my job a lot easier when I got a car that's that hooked up. So 
Jimmy did a perfect job all night. Uh, after the heat race, we kind of had a stumbling problem. I'm really taking off. And so between the heat and Maine, Jimmy was in the trailer changing a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, it, it ended up working out. So uh, Jimmy knows his stuff for sure. And, um, yeah, I mean... Without him, it wouldn't have been possible. So, um, big thanks, Jimmy. So, so, what does Jimmy do for you mostly? Is he a a consultant? Is I know he he puts the setup on the car, but is is it, is it mentally soothing for you as a driver to have Jimmy Jones as your crew chief? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, he builds all the cars uh, in the shop. He puts them all together. He um, sets sets the car up. Um, and knowing I have, I have no doubt that the cars are going to stay together for all, however many laps the race is for the whole race. And uh, just knowing that you have a car that is fast and is going to stay together makes me a lot more confident in the car and. Makes me drive the car a lot hard, harder, and um, it just—it's a lot better when you know you have good stuff that you're driving. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure, having Jimmy on the wrenches is a huge. Uh, it's kind of—I I mean, it's really a, a big advantage uh, compared to everyone else that we're going against. Right. You know, a, a lot of these guys just got—they're just doing it themselves, or they got—you know—they're—they're. They're, it's a family-owned team. They got their dad working on their car or whatever. But right. have a guy like Jimmy who's been around the sport forever. He worked with the Kinzers, Mark, and Carl and Steve and all them. And uh, <laughs> just to have him who knows so much working on my stuff, it's a huge plus and just it's great. So just so you know, Jimmy Jones... The crew chief for Ryan Timms, he's got a lot of stories about the Kinsers. Have you ever heard of any of those stories, Kirk? I have not. Why don't you share one with us here right quick? Well, I, what, What's I, the I, most I memorable one? I can't remember the most memorable <laughs> one, to be honest with you. You spent a lot of time with the uh, Kinsers. Yeah, no doubt. That That's worth a whole show right there. We need to get Jimmy Jones on our show. They'll share some of those stories. No doubt about it. You got his number. Let's do it. I, I've got him. Yeah. Uh, Volusia Speedway Park's a really fast racetrack. We're going to see next Wednesday through Saturday when the World of Outlaws tick to the track. And Donnie Schatz, I asked uh, Donnie yesterday about uh, Volusia and how he sees that racetrack, and they they made a change in the wicker bill rule. It's now an inch wicker bill instead of the two inches on top of the wing. Right. They can't they can't put the two inch wicker bill back right. on there. And that affects the airflow. Oh no doubt. And with these wings on these sprint cars, that is a big deal. It's a big deal. And here's what Downey Shots had to say about Volusia Speedway Park next week and the new wicker bill rule. You know, uh it's it's very important to get off we want to get a win right out of the box. It's it's uh it can really get you going down the wrong right path. Um, I remember seasons past, um, six weeks after the season started, we hadn't won yet when we got to Las Vegas. And it, it's not fun <laughs> if, if you're one that you, you want to see yourself winning and you're expected to win and you're just not there. 
um, it builds on you. It, it, it grows. It, you know, it just kind of gives everybody kind of a lump in their throat like they got a cold that they don't want. So it, that's very important. Well, I'll probably get in trouble for this, but years ago we had no wicker bills and we had dished wings. And everybody, for some reason, wanted to get rid of dished wings because they wanted to unhook the cars, and then they said, but you can have a one-inch wicker bill. And I'm like, well, what's the difference? We went from dished wings with no wicker bill to a flat wing with a wicker bill to unhook the car. It did the same thing. It, it, the car drove not as good in, in dirty air or around other cars because with the wicker bill, all the weight carries on the wicker bill, not halfway across the wing or you know, pushing down on the front of the car, it hangs over the back. So it's like having 75 gallons of fuel in the tank versus 30. Then, for some reason, we end up with two-inch wicker belts. Um, I'm not sure where that came from, but my 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 whole philosophy on the air is what are we trying to do here? Are we trying to hook it up or unhook it? Because giving more wicker bill hooks it up harder, taking wicker bill away unhooks it. And it, what what can happen and I think you see it. There's a lot of guys that race this way. You see the guys that run two-inch wicker bills all the time. What happens is they get their car so dependent on air, so dependent on the wicker bills, that if they do get behind another car, now they're in dirty air. They're dependent on absolutely having the maximum amount of air. Their car, they're like done. They completely lose control. They have no control where it's going, where it came from. And we all know that those same guys – don't know that the gas pedal moves two directions. It's just it's all the way down. So, you know, I I have an opinion on it. I, I'm glad to see them trying something, but I guess it's all about what the goal is. If they're saying we want to unhook the cars, I think it's the right move. Um, if they say they want to see if it races different, I say it's the right move. But um, I guess you we got to know what the or I hope they have a goal. I don't necessarily. It's not like they have to tell us what the goal is, but obviously I'm speculating that that's what the goals are, to try to make the race in a little better and to unhook the cars at the same time. He seems to think that uh, there's another reason why the World of Outlaws came up with the wicker bill. From from that conversation that I just listened to, Donnie Schatz is not too happy about removing the two-inch wicker bill. Would you? Did did you feel that way? I just think he's skeptical about what that's if that's going to really solve the problem that uh, it's outlaws officials think that they have kirk what what that wicker bill does going from the two inch to the one inch it's going to make the car a lot freer and there's going to be more wrecks i think that's the message that donnie shots was sending out right there in that interview that the the message is you're going to see more cars get wadded up because of the one inch wicker bill Instead of the two inch, that's what I and that's what Schatz, I was taking from it. And Donnie Schatz, even though he doesn't own this team, Tony Stewart does. He's been a team owner, right? He knows the cost of everything, and Tony Stewart pretty much allows Donnie to run this race team the way he sees fit. Right? He's got the freedom to run it. So Donnie Schatz talking like a owner, more so than a driver, there about what you just touched on. You know, wadding these cars up and the cost. Are we going to raise the cost of doing this because the cars are going to be more unstable now? The only World of Outlaw race that we're going to see here this year is up at US 36, right? In this area. Right. Yeah. And, of course, Knoxville 
It's, it's going to have three events this year. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, US 36, a uh, couple of drivers touched on that yesterday. Uh, David Gravel pointed at US 36 when he didn't have a good night up there that early in the right, year. Yeah. He pointed at that race that may have cost him a chance at the championship. Wow. Because, and and he was pointing fingers at himself. Th- thought he made a driver error that night. When we come back, we'll play that soundbite. Do you want to do that, Kurt? Uh, I've got one soundbite. Yeah, we can play uh, David Gravel. We've got some other drivers right. to hear from as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, more of Track Talk here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We'll be back with more right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB in a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back. It's Track Talk here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Covell running the show for us back there at Sports Radio 810. Todd Surprise doing the same here at RBN, the Race Boys Broadcasting Network. Kirk, we've got a lot of sound that we want to run through here real quick, don't we? Well, David Gravel is the other uh, favorite to win the championship in the World of Outlaws this year. Uh, he got a ton of second-place finishes last year, uh, but he talked about uh, that first win of the season is big. Now, if you remember a year ago, he went down to Belushi and won a couple of prelim races down there, started off the season great, Uh and he had a good run at times and won a bunch of races in a row. And then things can kind of turn on you in the world of outlaws. No and doubt. Then you don't have as good a run. He talks about the ebbs and flows of running the whole season in the world of outlaws. And, you know, sometimes things are great and other times not so great. Yeah, the hardest one is the first one of the year. You just never know when that could be. It could be the first race of the year. It could be two months in the year. Just it's not easy to win World of Outlaw races, and sometimes it feels like they're impossible to win. And then you get on a streak where they're almost easy. You get a good pill draw. The track's no passing. Uh, cautions come out at the right times. You know, things like that happen. So um, it, it just goes in waves. Sometimes it's easy to win, and sometimes it's about impossible to win. This thing that uh, a lot of these drivers look at is you have to qualify well. Qualifying is the most important thing. It is a lot. Right. And a lot of these drivers talked about if we just make the dash, we feel we've got a shot. Right. That That's the goal early in the night is get into that dash. And how you do that is you got to qualify well and you got to finish either first or second in your heat race. Then you're in the dash, and then you know you're going to start up front. It's so competitive out there. If you're starting towards the back half of the field, you got no shot to win these races. Right, no doubt about it. And that's what uh, Gravel was talking about. Well, Logan Schuart is another driver, and they've split up the uh, Shark Racing team this year. Jacob Allen is going to be driving the 1A car in the High Limit Series this year. Logan Schuart is staying with the World of Outlaws. He's the million-dollar man. He won the Eldora Million last year, which is not a World of Outlaws sanctioned race, but he walked out of there with the big prize money. That was his first big crown jewel event of his career. But Logan Schuart talked about uh, 
preparing and getting ready to go for the whole season and a little bit about the ups and downs of the world of outlaws. Um, you know, last year was a little bit of a, a learning year with, with my guys. I had two new crew members with Lonnie, Judy, and Brendan Collum. And I don't feel like we, um, you know, use them to their highest ability as far as, you know, their capabilities. Uh, it took about three quarter, halfway through the year until, um, you know, we were, we've always got along really well. You know, we hang out, you know, outside the racetrack, but, uh, for us all to work together and, and feel like we we're really clicking well, um, it took about, you know, halfway through the year. So I, I look forward to a, a second year with those guys. Uh, I think they're a great group of guys and, and, you know, are very passionate about sprint car racing and, and want to win. So, um, fortunate to, to call my friends and teammates. Um, and, and like you we've you know everybody knows shark racing is a you know family operated operation so um it's it's i'm I'm looking forward to you know chasing more success with my family that was kind of cool you and i were there when uh logan short won that million dollar yeah. race out there at eldora speedway that was cool that was pretty cool have you seen a victory lane as wild as that one was no, that night? not 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 near as wild as that one that was a pretty wild one, right? There. Yeah, I just said he just wasn't that consistent at the tail end of the year. It was kind of surprising right. that there was a lot of races in the fall that he didn't even run in the top ten. And so that that's the way it is in this business. Uh, if you're off by just a little bit, you can be way off. And we want to thank our friends from Liberty RV for loaning us that RV to yeah. go out there. Yeah, yeah, Eldora. That was a fun trip last yeah, July. No uh, Sheldon Hodenshield. He won at U.S. 36 Raceway last year, if you remember. Right. And one of the most entertaining races that we've seen in the Outlaws. That was a cool race. That was the same race that David Gravel said he pointed to that that was not a good night for him. But it was a great night for Sheldon Hoddenshield, who, you know, he's got a famous name. His dad, Jack Hoddenshield, one of the great sprint car drivers of all time. time. Right. Uh, he's been at long enough now to where he still says he's got a lot of room to grow, but you can only go on your name just for so long. Right. You know, I think a name only goes so far, and, um, yeah, I think we're at 30-something outlaw wins now. So, um, you know, I think you put the work in and and the success will come, and um, we're putting the time in. Year number eight is a a long time, and, uh, you know, I was – talking earlier i still feel like i'm just getting going and it takes a long time to to learn how to win these races let alone uh fight for championships so i feel like we're getting to that stage where we can fight for championships and um you know we've been close in the past and uh it's just putting the whole year together and and kind of going from there but um you know i'm 30 years old and i kind of tell everybody um you know once you hit 30 is when you kind of learn and and get going and uh, that's what's different about our sport than any other. It's, uh, you know, a lot of sports you're retired by 30, and I f- truly feel like this sport, uh, you turn 30 and you're kind of just getting going. Yeah, he looked at what his dad did. He, His dad won a lot of big races after the age of 30, no so doubt. he was thinking, hey, I'm just hitting my stride right now. I, he didn't have all that great of a year last year. Uh, they did some, they tried some new things on that race car. And he said, we're going back to basics. We're going back to the old package. He's still got his same crew chief, Ripper. Uh, he says, we're just going to go back to basics next year because a lot of the things they tried, 
in 2023 just didn't really work out all that well. Right. Uh, so the other driver that we spoke with yesterday is Giovanni Selzy, and you got to know Gio pretty well. Great family. Gary Selzy, the uh, four-time NHRA world champion. Uh, his brother is Dominic Selzy, who races out on the West Coast. And Gio Selzy, he had some great runs last year. No he doubt. showed a little bit of consistency at times, just not for the whole season. And I think you have to throw him into the mix in this championship, I think he's going to be year. a championship no, I contender. Think so. right. I think so. So here's uh, Gio Selzy talking about some of the goals he set. I, I think one year under your belt is obviously different, no matter how many sprint car races you've run. Um, you know, same same two guys change car chiefs, which really, as long as they they do their job, we'll all be fine. So keeping the same crew chief means a lot. Um, you know, there's a lot of tough guys here, obviously, uh, with Don and and Gravel and Shoehart and stuff, Sheldon as well. They're all going to step their game up and and. Feel like we almost kind of got away with one last year. I felt like Sheldon, or yeah, sorry, Sheldon, Logan, and and Donnie kind of had some mediocre years. A lot of a lot of DNFs. Um, but like I said, th- this is a, a season long point series and something you have to finish races. So I felt like last year we we had a lot of top tens, um, finished almost every race, and um, just just lacked in in podiums and wins. So just capitalizing on those good nights when you do make the dash to stay running up front. And they all said the way Brad Sweet won five straight championships. Is he just didn't fall out of races? Just consistency. You gotta finish these races. You gotta you gotta finish near the top five yeah. to to have a chance to win the World of Outlaw Championship. Yeah, if you go through a stretch of uh, races where you're just not qualifying well and you have to fight your way from the back and uh, you know you start in the back half of the field, that that's not going to get you championships. Brad Sweet. Won all those championships by qualifying well every night, uh, finishing up high in the heat races, getting into the dash, and starting up front of the A-mains every night. Right, no doubt. And that's how he won that championship. Just so you know, on Monday, on Mostly Motorsports, we are going to have Robert Ballou and Hunter Schoenberg on. Always fun having Robert Ballou on. Robert Ballou is one of the best interviews ever. And the USAC sprint cars he, he ne- open up he, he uh, never, next week, but the week after that, right? He, he never minces words, yeah. Kurt, does he? <laughs> no. Never. never. Uh, next weekend, the USAC sprint cars open up. Right. At uh, Ocala Speedway. So, so look forward to that. We'll be talking to Robert Blue about his Silver Crown ride that he's going to be doing. That's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And Hunter Schoenberg, they call him Hunter Percent. Uh, he got booted out of that Vermeer 55 car last year, and he, it was around different rides. He got into the Kevin Swindell car. There and he was running really good in that car as yeah. well. Finished I, I, high up at Knoxville, the Nationals. Yeah. Started in the A main. I never, I never could really figure that one out, right. to be honest with you. There, there had to be some kind of money transaction that took place. And now he's going to be a full-time driver for Hayward Motorsports in that 19 car, and uh, that, that'll that be interesting to see how that works out. Yep. So those two guests on Monday, looking forward to that. NASCAR opens up this weekend in Los Angeles at the Coliseum with the Bush Light Clash. This will be the third year, the third of three years in that contract they've got out there, so we don't know if that's going to happen again out there, but the weather doesn't look very good in L.A. this weekend. It looks 
like it's going to rain all day tomorrow. So might rain we'll see all how month. that works out. Might <laughs> rain all month. That's what they're talking right? about with this thing. There's a big storm out there. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of water in the atmosphere. It's going to make its way to Kansas City and across the United States, guys. I mean, yeah. we're all going to get a little bit of water. Out of this we're going to get some out of it. But I think California is going to be refilling up a lot of their problem you know lake mead was almost dry out there guys and yeah so yeah i think we're going to be filling up out there for sure well hopefully the, the those are they going to be able to get that event those in? dry areas out there hopefully it'll fill back up yeah right yeah i'm i'm a little worried about the event by myself because i it's supposed to rain on monday and tuesday that, and wednesday yeah that's the thing we're not there's no breaks in this thing so right. it might be a postponement i don't know unless they do a rain shorten you can get it in and try to get it. Well, you in. spend all that money to put that venue together. Oh man, got to you got to run the event, don't you? Well, you, you got to call it off. You got to do everything you can right. to to make it in. I mean, you, that's not like an event at Kansas where you can just come back. You know, this is a one-off. So you got to put rain tires on these cars. There you go, windshield wipers and rain tires. Scott's listening in from Fort Myers Beach. Just so you know, um, Darren Christie says, "I hate to see." this feud between the world of outlaws on high limits as the fans are getting cheated we've seen what lakeside would get when the world of outlaws was there but to be honest with you the the world of outlaws always brings in a big crowd out at lakeside yeah now will the high limit series running two nights around nascar weekend draw that same type of crowd i don't know friday saturday night show i'm not as part of the nascar weekend in early may i'm not i'm not sold on it yet they better advertise and they better be at both tracks pushing you better have a couple nascar track cars out right the kyle larson I mean, the main guys. Well, when you got drivers like Brad Sweet and Rico Abreu and some of the drivers that got signed on for the High Limit Series, they're not short of stars. No, they're not. All right, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to uh, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Don't forget, hour number two, you can watch it on our Facebook. You can watch it on RacingBoys.com. You can watch it on YouTube. And you can just about watch it anywhere. How about those Chiefs? How about those Chiefs? Yeah. Good weekend to have. Good weekend to have off, right, guys? Right. No I mean, doubt. If you're one of the teams that has a weekend off and go, not the year off, go you're Chiefs. Do, you're doing good. Go Chiefs. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in. For Covell, for Todd Surprise, for Kirk okay. Elliott. I'm Scott Trailer saying thanks. We'll see you next week. We'll see you on Monday.